Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, Quality Living. This is yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your attention, <laughs> your love, your support. Um, this is one of those healing art shows because obviously we do different healing shows um you know whether it's social environmental physical mental all of that i think art touches on all those notes in my opinion uh some people ask me when they come to my office they see my paintings on the wall and i say how long have you been doing this i say longer than i've been healing <laughs> longer than my, i've been practicing as a physician let's put it that way because um, i've been I, I started painting as as, as long as I can remember and for me it was not the type that I could do well with the sort of copying of things I mean there are those people that can look at something and then they copy it very well and they call that art and you know that's respectful illustration or what have you but I was not that guy and I found uh, artists such as Picasso and later on Basquiat and um, Salvador Dali to be really meaningful to my progress uh, in, in independently and uh, when they when I found out they called Dali the divine um, you know that that spoke to me with my spiritual background and I felt that art could be a spiritual outlet anyway fast forward I found myself at a place called at the time Lighthouse Center for the Arts and it gave me a place to not only teach others that they were born artists but also to go through and do outreach with uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and homeschoolers and putting them together and working with people in a way that art could transcend the typical aesthetic nature to opening them up to their memories, especially in the area of Alzheimer's and um, giving them joy and helping them to relive joy as they created with homeschool children. Um, and the children received joy as they shared their stories and had a captive audience in the elderly. Um, so the Lighthouse Center for the Arts, at which is now the Lighthouse Art Center, was a very and is a very special place to me and dear to my heart. And I am fortunate and honored to have with me this morning the curator Janine Mason uh, in the studio. Thank you for joining us. I am delighted to be here. Mm. I have so many questions for you. Thanks for having me this morning. <laughs> well, I guess you'll be doing the interview. <laughs> <laughs> then won't that be fun? Um, so we met, you know, a few weeks ago for the first time. We did, and, and you showed me your beautiful work. So question number one. Yes. Um, how long have you been painting? How old were you when you first decided that to try painting or to try any kind of art for that matter? You know, I, you know, I think I was one of those kids. I grew up in New York, and we had... On the corner, we had comic book racks, 
you know so going to the store for a, a, a you know a 25 cent bubble gum I, some people may or may not remember a 10 cent or 5 cent bubble gum and uh, with my allowance and buying a comic was a treat because it was a place I could walk to as long as I looked both ways my parents would look down from this terrace and this was New York right so I would get these comic books and I would try to redraw these characters because in class that's what some of my friends would do they did it very well I did it very poorly and um, but I still tried and I worked at it and every time I got closer and closer it would lead me to believe that I could somehow be an artist but that obviously is not the path I took but that's when I started I think it was just so you know it's interesting because yeah. I write and illustrate children's books I yeah. have 17 now to yeah. my credit some of them I've written as well as illustrated some of them I've illustrated for other people and right. they're almost all traditionally published yeah but I mentioned that because it's a first-class love of mine you know yeah. picture books are usually a child's first introduction to the arts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah anything and like so that. there you yeah. were with your comic books that's it you know I had this memory and um, and I thought I must have dreamed this. This this is not possible. When I, when I examined my memory, I was in a room that was filled with rainbows that mm-hmm. covered books. Wow. Right? Yeah. Books have yeah. always been magical to me. Yeah. I'm the youngest of five, and my older sisters... It reminds sisters, me of a show called Reading Rainbow, by the way. Sorry right? Wouldn't it, though? Reading Rainbow, yeah. My sisters were much older, yeah. and they Lamar walked Burton. me down <laughs> to the uh, library, which, as I recall, was far away. Mm-hmm. We lived in Toledo, Ohio, okay. which at the time was the land of glass. Libby Owens made mm-hmm. beautiful glass, Libby Owens Corning. Mm-hmm. And, and they took me to the library. Mm-hmm. When I was there in Toledo, maybe four or five years ago, the library really, really, Dr. Gray was like just on the street and around the corner. In my imagination, it was miles and miles away. It was a big deal to go there with them. But one end of that library was covered with glass and it was beveled glass from floor to ceiling. It was like a 16 foot ceiling. And at the right time of day, the sunlight hit that glass and threw rainbows, mm. rainbows all over the tops of the books in the children's department of the library. Gorgeous, right? really beautiful They've vision. always been magic to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what inspires us to move forward because it's not always that voice telling you you were born an artist or to keep going. But you know, for me, one of the inspirations too to keep going, it's a little bit different vein, but there's nothing like when someone buys your art. <laughs> you know, right? it's interesting, isn't it? Because you, yeah. I think that art yeah. is a sign of hope. Yeah. You're creating something, not knowing who's going to see it or who might appreciate it, but you're hopeful. So you're throwing a stone out into a pond with luck. Part of yourself. That's exactly right. Somebody's going to come along and go, oh, I get it. I get it. I I see it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're painting from that place. So you're communicating. Not everybody else, yeah. Well, and that's why I think art heals. That's um, that's why I'm so glad to be here today with you. you. Thank you. Uh, You know, uh, just a little trivia. Um, I mentioned this to a patient the other day. They said, who's the first person that bought your art? I said, Fred the Furrier. Fred the <laughs> <laughs> Okay. There's a story. Um, it's a reminder because that that's someone not everyone knows, but if you're from up north, that you name, would know? you would okay. know Fred the Furrier. What did he buy? He he bought an, uh, sort of uh, this creation for an idea um, uh, for a commercial that I had drawn for him or painted for him. And, um, and then next was a musician that I did an album, like the center for a record, back when records were more of a thing mm-hmm. and I did his logo and you did a you did like an album cover yeah kind of like that so and, so, and so and this was like when I was probably nine or ten wow so, yeah. wow and yeah, yeah the path was set yeah. were you attracted to color or line what what did it for you um you know being surrounded you know I can't discount graffiti okay right mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So important for my development. Hip hop culture was a big deal for me. And graffiti was a big hand of hip hop culture and graffiti was colorful. Right. That was right. our moving, living um, gallery. You know, I didn't grow up going to museums per se, but there were museums all around me in the form of graffiti on the, on the trains. So how did and, you feel when you found a new piece of graffiti that, that, that really Spoke attracted you? What happened? Um, I just thought it looked like another, it looked like alien language. Mm, you okay. know, it was code. It wasn't something you could easily decipher. And, and did so you think learn, you could decode it somehow? I, I eventually wanted to and learned more and more as I looked at more of it, like any language. Right. Right. So it was its own uh, use of color, dimension. And so I think I brought all of these things into my now painting, which is on layers. Well, that would make but, sense. Um, I've seen your work. It's beautiful. Thank you. You're so, welcome. But, you know, that being said, back when I was at the Lighthouse and, and I g- was on the wall with other artists, you've the Lighthouse Center for the Arts, or Lighthouse Art Center now, this call, sorry. Um, it, you've had a lot of people go through there that it's a very special jewel of a place. You know, it's been there for 58 years yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. That's astonishing, isn't it? I mean, from all over the mm-hmm. world. I, I mm-hmm. remember seeing artists from South America, from Europe. Well, now you have Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. I know, I, mean, I know. I this is crazy. This is Tequesta, Florida. I call this show Florida. Warhol, yeah. Warhol, Warhol, yeah. because I can't believe it's in Tequesta, Florida. Yeah, I mean, if you Warhol. hear, I mean, I'm sure people listening to the show, Tequesta, Florida, what's Andy Warhol doing? Exactly. You know? So, yeah. and for those of you that don't know Andy Warhol, I mean, you can give better history than me, but he, again, New York, pop art, I mean, world-renowned, and he, you know, I I was more of a Basquiat fan. Basquiat led me to know more about Warhol because they were close friends and exhibited together and kind of ruled the world at one point through their art. Um, but Warhol, I mean, you know, soup cans and the the, the Exxon logo and, you know, <laughs> things that people just don't know are part of their everyday lives, you know, that they see images upon images about, around them all the time. It's, it's Warhol. It's so true. It's so true. Right. It's so true. So, you know, I've been all Warhol all the time. I should tell you that what I have in the exhibition right now are... 27 originals. Most of them are from the collection, the private collection of Beth Rudin to Woody. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a spectacular collection of art and she's generous mm-hmm. with um, with requests. Okay. So she was willing to, to allow me to show these pieces. So it's a once in a lifetime chance. But I have been all Warhol all the time for mm-hmm. about a year now. I've had mm-hmm. so much to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and it, among the things I've learned, which I find... Um, fascinating i hope you do too so he was born in pittsburgh pennsylvania and he was really (laughs) not a healthy child he had a number of health problems growing up so you know he was very delicate he he had um alopecia loss of hair and um vitaglio so his skin was very patchy Mm -hmm. and if you look at the early photos of him you can really see that um he was unsure of himself he spent a year in bed and you know what his mother gave him Mm coloring books and comic books there you go there you go yeah Mm -hmm. and it changed the direction of his life yeah he was left with um health problems sort of that improved mildly as he got older and then near the end of his life he was um in trouble all over again he was shot at one point and that was a at that point he probably should have died he lost 12 pints of blood but that's another story wow i know it's astonishing so much history with that yeah Mm -hmm. What I wanted to say, though, was his mother was Catholic, but she was like Byzantine Catholic. She took him to church three times a week, and the 
services were two and a half hours long. Mm. And the altar at this particular church was filled with big icons of saints. So, <clears throat> if you will, um, almost like an advent calendar, right? Saint after saint after saint with gold backgrounds. And once I started looking at Warhol's work in different museums, I got to go to the Brooklyn Museum and I went to the Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh too, um, to see some of the original pieces like the, the Maryland's, right? His soup can show, which was his first, um, I want to say big show. He'd done some other shows before sure. then, but this was absolutely lambasted in the press. You know, soup cans, how can you dare call that art? And, and galleries on either side were advertising actual yeah. cans of Campbell's soup that you could buy for a dollar and right. save yourself, on and on. That show closed. It got a lot of press, albeit bad press, but, you know, they say some ink is better than none, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the day that show closed was the day that Marilyn Monroe died. Yeah, and he had a silk screen made of a famous photo of hers. Um, it was it was turned into a forty inch by forty inch silk screen, and that was the first of the Marilyns that he did, and he did it on a gray background because it was it's sad, sad yeah. right? Yeah. But then that eventually morphed to a gold background, and then Marilyn's face was done with colors. But it reminded me mm -hmm. of the saints on the altars. Yeah, this was this was an icon of beauty. This was someone that the public worshipped. Yeah, doesn't that sort of unlock um, doors in the mind? It made me go, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it does a lot for me. Oh, um, I hope you come and see the show. I, I hope no, you I will your listeners do, too. Yeah, I will definitely. It's on until March 23rd, so yeah. there's still time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have to I have to make it in. I, um, when, I, when I think about the lighthouse, I just call it abbreviated. <laughs> um, and I, like I said, this it's a long time coming for something this huge, but there's been a lot of diverse artists that have made through made it through. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the history of the lighthouse. Why, why did it come into being? What was the first person that had the idea that you know we need a gallery, a, a, an art museum slash gallery in, in you know in Tequesta? So it started um, as I said 58 years ago with Christopher mm -hmm. Norton who was the son of Ralph Norton in West Palm Beach and, and Mr. Norton's first wife and eight local artists and among those artists was actually Dodie Thayer Okay. And Dodie Thayer's work was collected all over the world, and to this day you can find latticeware that's very, very valuable mm. right here in Tequesta. And, you know, ever since then, ever since this organization started, it has always provided arts and culture uninterrupted for 58 years. Yeah. Even when COVID hit and yeah. we had to close the doors, we had 31 classes running at the time. Wow. 26 of them were online within five days. I love it. I've never known art to be more important than it has been throughout yeah. this pandemic. Right. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It's been a saving grace for many people, oh, including absolutely. our family. I mean, we were painting rocks with positive messages and hiding them throughout our community. Mm -hmm. And then we started Instagram. You know, it was really my wife's idea. It it's back really to that feeling thing. of hope. It's yeah. the hope to, to yeah. communicate, the yeah. hope to reach someone else. But mm -hmm. it, it really was a project that gave a lot of hope to, within our family, but then to others as they would locate these of rocks course. and collect them um, throughout. And we live against a preserve, so it was really special to do that. But um, So art goes on, and it teaches, and it opens, and it cleanses, and it heals, and it does all of these things if we support and allow it. How is it in the grant world and the government support? Has that been cut and you've had Well, to, that's an interesting you know. thing that you would ask. So I've served under three governors on mm -hmm. the Florida Council of Arts and Culture. Okay. That's, um, that's a panel 
of 15 people who are appointed to serve for different periods of time from all around the state. And so um, I'd like to think that I have maybe an unusual view of the number of cultural organizations there are in Florida and the amazing programs that are going on all the time. Governor DeSantis has supported the arts um, maybe a little bit better than some of our past governors. Good. Very yeah. nice to hear. Yeah. I, I'm currently the chair of something called Citizens for Florida Arts. Yeah. Again, it's um, it's another organization that, that creates, among other things, a statewide cultural conference yeah. every other year. I should let you know when that's happening Please. because I'd love to have you come to Please. it. Please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Florida is a land of so many cultures. And, you know, people move here from all over and sort of leave the land of Michigan behind or the land of New York behind. Mm-hmm. And what they don't realize is that they've come to something that is so rich in history, French and Spanish. We have people from all over settle here, and it's a really rich melting pot. I, It makes me frustrated to hear people say that there's not enough culture in this state. Oh, there is. Mm. It just means that, excuse me, perhaps you have not yet done enough homework. That's, yeah, I... I it is such a huge world unto itself, Florida. I mean, it, it is. It is, it's, isn't it? It's, it, it could be its own is. country, number one. Mm-hmm. But you can go from Miami and have, obviously, we know all about Art Deco and all the art that goes through there. Um, very much a big part of Europe is, is you know, present there um, as well as South America. But, you, you know, you go to the northern. I mean, I've taken the kids several times to St. Petersburg where the Dali Museum is. Oh, that's such I a mean, beautiful museum, I mean, why is the Salvador Dali Museum in, in St. Petersburg? Exactly. you got to ask mm-hmm. yourself that. Mm-hmm. And you got to ask yourself about the family. And then you got to go there and see the spectacular building. Oh, and you know, we so we have something that happens in Florida. I'm changing the yeah. subject. It's the Florida Artist Hall of Fame Award, so yeah. some of your readers will love this, okay? Yeah. The woman who illustrated the Harry Potter books, Mary Graham Prey, mm-hmm. lives in Sarasota. Right, exactly. I've shown her work yeah. three times now at the Arts Center. Mm-hmm. She's finally being inducted into the Florida Artist Hall of Fame, and doesn't Jeez. she belong there? Isn't Absol- that exciting? Absolutely. I'm showing her husband's work this summer, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Tom Kasmer does these fabulous wooden... Yeah sort of Louise Nevelson-inspired collages that right. are spectacular. Okay. You, you need to come this summer. Okay. We do great uh, well, kids' uh, programs, more important, too, I gotta bring the, Yeah, I was going to say, i got to bring the kids. got to bring you know, the kids. Because we do those trips. We, you know, like I said, we've gone, and we do the Norton quite often. I mean, oh, there's so much there. That's you know, great. They just had, you know, uh, uh, they, well, they've had so many exhibits, but I, you know, I went to one talk, even where they did the, uh, the Anthropocene era that we're mm. in. You know, that's... That's the thing about art. It can transcend the again aesthetic and spiritual and all that to where it's environmental, you know, and teaching, it's yes. scientific. Yeah. Right. It, it expands our scientific knowledge and and our grasp of science. You know, I mentioned the cultural conference. So yeah. a couple of years ago, we had um, the gentleman who is the executive director of the gallery at Yale, mm-hmm. and he sent his grad students out into the university system Mm -hmm. to learn what was being taught and brought them back into the galleries Mm -hmm. to find what they had in art that could be used in those classes. In science. And of, in yeah. science across the board, you can yeah. teach anything through yes, the arts, right? Yes, math. And yeah, so they connected yeah. the mm-hmm. curriculum with the art and their collection. And in oh, two years, brilliant. they had built a new fifty-three yeah. million dollar gallery, fully paid for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yeah. suddenly it was relevant. But it had been the whole yeah. time. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how much of art, you know, teaches us to reach for the stars, and then teaches us about, you know, uh, all. Of, but but like the Anthropocene era, just for those people who said, "What the heck is that?" You know, that's the era we're in. 
And I didn't know this is the first time that we can literally track how human beings have altered the Earth. So our impression on the Earth is so dramatic now that it's a new era, right? And this is it. And this is the Anthropocene era. So I learned that through these beautiful, huge uh, photographs showing the topography of the world changing and how it's changed. So see, so you as an artist, you're creating a piece of work, but it's only done half of its job. Mm -hmm. The other half is for the person who comes along to look at it and interpret it in a way that you, you may or may not... Be responsible all the for. time, mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people see my art, the, those that either commission or buy it, that's the thing: is that they're saying, "Oh, this, this is that. This is what this is to gotcha. me." Yeah, I and gotcha. how I did understand. you know? And where did you? And mm-hmm. I, so, you know, I, I'm the first to say this is a very, this is not a logical, intellectual space for me. This is not where I go in with anything other than a bare, open heart and allow my heart to communicate through my hands, you know. Mm. But that's what that is for me. And if it's not that, I don't do it. I should tell you a little bit more about the Art Center, may I? Yeah, please. So we have a, it's a three-building campus. Not only are we teaching two-dimensional arts, painting, drawing, pastels, but three-dimensional arts as Mm. well. We have a great jewelry program and a textile program that's coming on. And then we have a 3D studio with clay and sculpture and hot glass. There are so many things that are being made there. So if you think, gee, I've always wanted to maybe take art classes, but I really can't draw. I'm no good at it. It doesn't matter. There are so many different ways that you interpret that skill. (laughs) Exactly. Have you thrown pottery? Yeah, I've I've done most of everything there. Um, It's a really special, like you know, and it's two. It's almost like two campuses. You have one on one side of the street and one on the other. It's true. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the one side is nice because it opens up and lets fresh air in on beautiful days, especially when you're doing pottery with that space. But it's mesmerizing, Uh, isn't it? It's the wheel is spinning things around and around, and it's air and fire and water and earth it's everything yeah. you could hope for and you know you can't discount your amazing teachers and selection of teachers this is true we have yeah. we really do have so a lot of people have been there for teachers. a long time it's true yeah. yeah you know in a typical year we have about 2500 students and another 600 kids mm-hmm. so and we're doing outreach too to communities that right. would otherwise not outreach be served program. with yeah. um, art at all so there's a lot going on on this campus what are some of your most popular are uh, kid children's art programs Thank you so much for Mm -hmm. asking Mm -hmm. because every summer I've been writing a grant and adding a little bit more and a little bit more to what we now have as a makerspace. So we have 10 3D printers. We've got silhouette cutters. We've got a CNC machine. We've got a laser. So our little kids are doing all sorts of interesting things, but we're also doing programs for kids who are a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the material that they've created is just unbelievable. I have a friend who writes software Mm -hmm. um, for Peter H. Reynolds, who's a brilliant children's book author and illustrator. He has a a company. And we had our kids using their software, which is called Fab at Schoolmaker Studio. Our kids were making things that even the software designer didn't know were possible. I love it. I I know. We ended up being partners with the Smithsonian and Virginia Tech. And Go on YouTube and you can look at some of the things okay. our kids have made. Speaking Fabulous. of YouTube and speaking of technology, mm-hmm. so now that things are opening up back and more people are going out and feeling comfortable or, or letting their children be more sociable, 
Do you still offer virtual classes? We do. We do some virtual classes. Um, it depends on what people are comfortable with. Not okay. as many as we were doing, of course. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. And another thing that's been happening with our faculty and our students is that they have voted on um, if they're inside, if they're indoors and they're in a classroom space, mm-hmm. whether or not to wear a mask. And if anyone wants a mask being worn in that environment, mm-hmm. then everyone agrees to it. It's been really democratic and lovely Mm. to see. Mm, That's something that art can do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me uh, a little bit about the dates of the Warhol exhibit again, and also how do people find uh, the Lighthouse Art Center? Oh, that would be good to know, wouldn't it? So it's an easy web address, Lighthouse Arts, that's plural, Mm -hmm. lighthousearts.org. And we're at 373 Tequesta Drive. Mm -hmm. That's in Tequesta, Florida. We're easy to find. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Warhol, but I should tell you that right now we're doing five shows simultaneously. Warhol being, of course, the main one. And then we have um, Ray Gross's Pop Art Porcelain. He does Mm hyper-realistic porcelain. He did a life-size Harley Davidson for us. Okay. Can you believe it? Yeah, I, d- I saw the picture, so the I did believe it. The gallery is beautiful. <laughs> but if yeah. you want to see the picture, listeners, you'll have to go on to Lighthouse Art Center, or you can check out my social media. I'll be posting that picture um, on, on my Instagram, uh, Maximum Health Radio. So I, I think it's really gr- great, and I'm a Harley guy. So Are you? Oh, yeah. oh you've got to come and see yeah. this then. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I've got a modified 883 Iron Sportster, which I absolutely love. I've had what it for many years. What language are you speaking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only Harley, <laughs> only Harley right would know, I guess. Um, and then, so Ray Gross and anyone else that we yeah, we have for? Uh, Paper Alchemy, which is a traveling exhibition. Mm-hmm. It's actually a material that's considered um, new to the market. It's called Thermonite. Okay. James Thurman created it. Mm-hmm. It's um, laminated paper, mm-hmm. layers and layers and layers right. of laminated paper that he's then sent to other spectacular metalsmiths mm-hmm. and um, contemporary jewelers and they're using it as a part of their creative medium so yeah. all of these people is interpreted that was this is that the bag uh, the set no uh, uh, that's something else yeah, yeah. also we have um, I put out a call to artists for mm-hmm. pop art inspired jewelry and okay. that's happening now all right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of creativity we need it we need people to just start keep creating there's something for everyone um, the human nature is is one founded in creativity it's self-medicating yeah, yeah yeah well thank you so much it's been wonderful having the curator of lighthouse art center which is seems to be curating our hearts back into being again <laughs> through it's, all I'd of this love exposure. to have you and all uh, of your listeners please yes, mm-hmm. yes. check the website because there's things are changing all of the time wonderful well janine mason thank you for joining us this has been another maximum health quality living with yours truly dr ken gray if you have missed any portion of this show we are on all major podcasts just look up maximum health radio and of course public radio exchange and we will see you next time